Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. Trigger warning, this episode contains subject matter about child endangerment and child abuse, so please take precaution while listening. Hello and welcome to Pop Crime, where we discuss everything from the gossip to the gavel, the latest scandals, trending legal dramas, as well as the infamous crimes and dirty deeds of the pop culture past. I'm Kiki Monique. If you follow me online, you probably know me as the talk of shame, your go-to source for the biggest pop culture stories and famous trials. I love to consume all the news, books, TV, movies, and other media and break down the stories so you don't have to. Every week I'll unpack a new story in the pop culture true crime world, either something that's happening in real time or a reach back into the past. And I'll even have some of your favorite creators, attorneys, journalists, other pop culture accounts, and more on the show to weigh in. If you haven't heard of Ruby Frankie, you're not alone. Before she was arrested, I didn't know who she was either. I also had no clue about just how big the family vlogger business is and the growing amount of concerns that viewers are beginning to have. I feel like my introduction to family vloggers, per se, was the Duger family. They didn't get their start online. They first appeared on TLC and Discovery specials starting back in 2004 and then grew into this massive series where we watched this giant family multiply. A majority of the popular family channels follow the lives of religious families with a lot of children. To me, I feel like the Duggar family was the birth of family vlogging and people saw how much money this family was making and wanted to do it for themselves. So we see this online explosion of family vloggers on YouTube. But with the release of the multi-part docuseries, Shiny Happy People, Duggar Family Secrets, we saw the dark side of this industry. After this episode was recorded, AP News reported that Ruby Frankie's business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, pled guilty to four counts of aggravated child abuse for physically and emotionally abusing Frankie's children. Both Jody and Ruby were charged with six felony counts of aggravated child abuse, and as part of Jody's plea deal, she pled guilty to four counts and two counts were dismissed. Frankie previously pled guilty to four charges and not guilty to two charges. Both women are set to be sentenced on February 20th, 
2024. Today, I'm joined by social media journalist Shannon Hill of Shannon Hill News to discuss the world of family vloggers and YouTubers and the disturbing case of Ruby Frankie. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on. So, like, I have never been a big fan of family vloggers. Is that something that you were you watched a lot of? You know, occasionally it comes across my algorithm on TikTok and I'll kind of get sucked in because you like see these lifestyles and the way that they're living and you kind of want to emulate that and it looks so peaceful and nice. But, you know, the Ruby Frank thing is a whole other genre in itself, I think. It's it's taken a story of its own. Yeah. I mean, you did a multi-part series on your TikTok about Ruby Frank. And I think that's how I first actually learned about the story Um, So what first got you interested in this story in particular? I think it was the fact that she had this really um, well-known YouTube channel called Eight Passengers. And she was known for being this, it was really with her and her husband at the time, this, you know, the parenting guide from coming from this mother of, you know, who has eight children. And there were always tidbits and rumors about what was really going on because people started to leak information and sometimes her YouTube channel would get taken down. So when we first heard the news, you know, break of her son escaping to a neighbor's house, it was shocking, but also it kind of wasn't because there was speculation around her for a little while. Yeah. I mean, that 911 call was kind of chilling because, you know, the neighbor was, I mean, very calm and collected, but yeah, just had like, I think a 12 year old child run. And I think he had, you know, duct tape on his wrist, if I remember. Yeah. And then if you listen to the end of that call, the neighbor breaks down in tears, describing the child that was sitting, you know, on his steps with him. And he explained that like the the duct tape and the open wounds. And he was, you know, very heartbroken over the fact that clearly this child was being detained and starved and was just not in good shape. I mean, before we even get there, I mean, obviously Ruby Frank had her start, you know, she was a mother. She was this vlogger in, I guess, Springville, Utah. I guess it's like a pretty affluent neighborhood. And then her and her husband started, I guess, filming their lives around 2015. Yeah, it's, it looks like they had been filming their lives for quite a bit. And then um, at one point or another, before all of this happened, her YouTube channel was taken down. Um, and I don't know if it ever got put back up between, you know, the months that all of this started to go down. But it looked like she stopped vlogging. And the husband kind of seemed to not be in the picture as much anymore. And then we started hearing the name of Jody Hildebrandt. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You can choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you lose a button or spill something or just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. 
Get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning in Newly's state-of-the-art laundering facility. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code POPCRIME20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code POPCRIME20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code POPCRIME20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ruby being on Jody Hildebrand's page kind of threw, I think, everyone for a loop. Like she was starting this new journey okay. of this new parenting guide and how to teach parents how to raise their children. Now, up until that point, though, so they had they basically had six children. I think the age ranges were somewhere from like 10 to like 20 years old. I guess they still had adult ch- children living in their house. And they were sort of like documenting, um, you know, they would push. I, I guess she posted like five days a week. It was like 6 a.m. sharp, and it was just them going through their daily lives. And she was, I guess, like a really strict Mormon family household. Yes. And yes. so I think in the beginning, they were sort of documenting maybe this more stern parenting style and sort of maybe people looked at it as like a new way of parenting, but then it sort of, I guess, took a turn. Yeah, it it always seemed to be that she was showing these what she kind of referred to as like techniques or ways to train your child. Um, I recently watched a video of her talking about how her two youngest children, they decided her and her husband had decided and I don't know which Christmas this was, but it it looked like a recent Christmas that they had recently decided to give their kids a Christmas gift of truth, the two youngest kids. Um, which meant that they weren't getting any actual gifts for Christmas and that it was just going to be their way of training their kids to not be selfish and, um, you know, practice life a certain way and not be kids, essentially, which is what the youngest sounded like they were doing. They were just kind of in a stage in life. And she was she she seemed to be somebody who was practicing really stern and really like harsh techniques. And I just don't think we actually even had a full scope of what was actually going on behind the scenes. Now, her husband, Kevin Frank, 
I mean, when you watch the videos, you know, I haven't seen really other than the clips I've seen like on TikTok and stuff. But when you watch the videos, does he seem like an active participant or does he seem like he's just kind of going along with the flow and doing whatever Ruby says? I would think that he probably wants to be perceived as somebody who is kind of maybe just in the background. Okay. Um, It's hard to tell because he does kind of appear to be in the background and kind of just a part of the whole show of it all. But um, she definitely seemed to be the decision maker. But who knows? Who knows how involved he was with the kids? It, It doesn't appear to be that he's getting as much backlash as she is. And he did claim, um, I think his people had, had claimed that, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't privy to what was going on most recently with the two youngest kids. Now, what were some of the red flags? I mean, you know, she's getting really popular. She's getting a ton of sponsorship deals. I mean, I mean, I think, I think at one, uh, report I read, she was making up to at least $1,600 a day, like possibly over half a million dollars a year. So, you know, from 2015 to 2020, when it got shut down, I mean, it seemed like she was making millions of dollars through this sponsored content, which is also so interesting too, because, you know, there was a time when momfluencers were kind of this joke, right? And then Mm -hmm. I guess, you know, companies started realizing, well, no, like you said, you know, it's this sort of aspirational thing that people are looking for. And it's like this billion dollar industry. Um, And so she's making a ton of money. But then when do or what are the red flags that people, I guess, start seeing and it doesn't feel so momfluencer and it feels kind of like a little bit dark? Yeah, I don't know. I think with a lot of these mom vloggers, it's really hard to tell because they they do their own editing. They cut their videos the way they're supposed to be. And I'm sure not every mom is practicing these crazy techniques that this woman Ruby has been doing. Um, I think with the Ruby case, it was there were always rumors. And I think she also comes from a big family of other sisters who have also vlogged. And there was always talk about the family and and things that they were practicing that weren't great. And um, I think that people just kind of started to put two and two together. But you're right. This has become such a genre in itself where these mom influencers have huge businesses. Yeah. And it involves their children. So what does that really mean? You know, how much at what expense can you, you know, sacrifice your children in a way to kind of portray an image and continue that cycle of business flow coming in and out? I mean, one of the clips I saw, I mean, I think is one of the things that sparked, you know, the red flag that were people, you know, eventually an online petition was sent around where people signed to have her investigated. But one of the clips I saw, I think it was her son, Chad. I think he had played a prank on one of the other children. And then as punishment, Ruby took away his bed and he slept on a bean bag for seven months. And when you watch the clip, it's almost like he, you know, is kind of joking, laughing. They're kind of making a joke out of it. But people in the comments were like, this is cruel. What are you doing? Yeah. Right. So it seemed like he took it as just like, a, you know, pat on the head sort of thing. And it, it just kind of seemed as though he was used to that sort of treatment. Like that wasn't a surprise to him that his mom did that. And then for him to not recognize how abnormal that is and for the rest of the world to be commenting under that saying that is so cruel to do to your child. Yeah. Um, it's shocking because, you know, it was a part it was something normal to the family that she would 
discipline her kids in that way. And then the other story that shocked me was, you know, her daughter Eve, I think she was only five years old and for some reason was responsible for packing her lunch, which I will say I've been around a lot of five-year-olds and I've never met a five-year-old that has packed their own lunch ever. Right. And, you know, she goes to school and the teacher calls Ruby and says, you know, she doesn't have her lunch. Can you bring it? And she said, well, no, basically, you know, it's her responsibility to pack a lunch and she didn't do it. And hopefully nobody gives her food and nobody steps in and gives her lunch because then she's not going to learn from the natural outcome. And I think that's the one that sort of set people off. And then this like online petition was created and they were like, you know, we think that Ruby Frank needs to be investigated uh, by Child Mm -hmm. Protective Services. Right. And what mother in their right mind would ever want their kid to go hungry at school? Yeah. And go, go, you know, most of the day without food in their belly. Like, that is insane to me. And I think that the fact that she felt so comfortable to share this with people, there was some level of just, I don't know, a disconnect. Like, that she just assumed that the rest of the world would be like, oh, okay, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to you know, raise your kids. But no, I think the rest of the world was recognizing that there's something extremely off about this woman and how cruel she is. It's just, when I saw that video, I, I like, it made me sick. <laughs> it made me feel really sick. And then she tried to backpedal and say, well, you know, her school is 45 minutes away. So that's really why I didn't want to drive out there because by the time I got out there, you know, school would be over. But either way, I mean, if your child is hungry, well, then go pick them up. I mean, at the end right. of the day, they didn't have food all day. Put money on her lunch card so she can get lunch. So then finally, you know, I don't know if it was the online petition or like multiple people calling. Finally, CPS does you know, show up to Ruby's house. I think it was like in the spring or summer of 2020. And, you know, they did investigate. You know, they spent some time with her. They went through, you know, the pantries. They apparently uh, interviewed each of the kids individually. But charges weren't filed then. And she even tried to play it off and act like that the agents were like, you know, maybe we should change our parenting skills. And, you know, we're kind of learning, you know, that was sort of like what she told the rap in an interview. I mean, I don't know how believable that was, but that was what she tried to like get across that, you know, not only were charges not filed and it seemed like she was trying to act like that the people, the online haters it was all this cancel culture. Like I know she had sent some cease and desist to some of the like YouTube accounts that were anti-Frank accounts. And um, I think she was successful actually in getting a couple of them taken down. But I felt like her and her husband, you know, because I think then she started losing sponsorship deals. You know, I think they were trying to act like it was a cancel culture. But I think that this is when this Jody Hildebrandt sort of steps into the picture because then I guess she starts, she takes down the YouTube, but then starts this podcast with this Jody Hildebrand. Who is Jody Hildebrand? So Jody Hildebrand, I believe, is a what she referred to herself as like a medical professional. She worked with couples. She worked with, um, I believe, she was mostly working with married couples at the time that uh, Ruby and her got connected. And there were a few people who had worked with Jody in the past that had spoken up. Um, one male in particular, in, in particular posted to his Facebook about how this woman basically sabotaged his marriage and um, really did some evil, cruel things to him, him and his wife um, at the time that they were going through some issues. Oh, wow. 
So Jody seems to also have a past. There were a few people who had come out and spoken up about the things that Jody was doing. Um, so I don't know. And, I, and that stuff didn't come to the forefront until recently when all of these things happened. But I don't know how these two got connected, but I will say like, it was kind of like a, a sinking ship immediately. You know, once, once these two kind of started working together, it was a trickling effect. And this podcast that they were doing, I think it was called, uh, is this the, is this the connections podcast? Is that what yes. the name was that? So it says, you know, according to people, this podcast, they talked about everything from parenting to religion, to sexuality, to race and other social and political issues. Um, I mean, it's kind of a wide range and you wonder like how these two women connected and became experts on all of these subjects all of a sudden. Right. Considering their backgrounds, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't sound like they had this expertise or like had lived a certain life. And did we know any? Speak on this. And did we know anything about Jody Hildebrandt's? You know, I know she was significantly older. I think you know Frankie was forty-one at the time of the arrest, and Hildebrandt was fifty-four. You know, an age uh, range. Was she married? Did she have kids? Like, what did we know about her? You know, I don't know. But it, weirdly enough, she didn't have much of a social media presence either. So even though she had like a website and, all, and like a YouTube page, it wasn't that she had very many followers. So I think her partnership with Ruby was kind of her way in, you know, to get that, you know, get the followers and get the views and all of that. So I'm, I'm not too sure that she had much of a um, kind of a personality online before Ruby. And was Hildebrandt like, was she living in the house with them or was she living separately? So I apparently at the time that um, Ruby's young son and daughter were being abused, um, she they were living at Jody's house. So the house that he had escaped from, the, you know, the basement where he was staying was Jody's house. Oh, so he wasn't even in the Frankie household. He wasn't in the Frankie household at the time. They were all living at Jody's house. And apparently the neighbors had witnessed some strange things with the with the two youngest kids who were constantly outside doing labor. But were they all in the same neighborhood? Because like, how does because if her husband, like his two youngest kids aren't living in the house, he's not going to say anything. Like, well, I think at this point the um, Ruby's husband was they were separated. Oh, okay. so they were not living together. Okay. So at this point, it was Ruby was off doing her own thing with the kids. And he just knew what he knew based on what she was telling him, according to his, you know, his people who are who were kind of putting out statements at the time that this happened. But they were living at Jody's house when this all took place. And neighbors did notice some things that seemed to be strange. Like? Which were the kids, the two youngest, being outside doing labor all day long. Um, there was suspicions, too, just in regards to, like, the the treatment that was going on with the kids because they did seem tired or dehydrated or malnourished or um, there was just something off, I think, overall with why were these kids outside doing work all day long? Like, why weren't they playing sports? Or in school. I mean, I guess they said they were homeschooled. Is that how they, like, got away with that, I guess? I think that they were homeschooled at the time, but I do think that this story officially broke on summer break. Got it. I could be be wrong. Um, so yeah, when when the neighbor did witness the youngest son, um, it was clear to him that he hadn't been fed, and um, there was a lot of abuse going on.
for the day of the arrest, like what exactly went down? So I believe that the phone call that was initially made to 911, the neighbor obviously broke down in tears and was explaining that, you know, there were cuts on this boy's wrists, ankles, duct tape, open wounds. He was clearly sunburnt. Mm. And um, when the arrest happened, we know that they put Jody and Ruby away separately, you know, in separate, they detained them separately. And um, eventually, I believe that Ruby was moved into like a mental health facility. Um, And I didn't really, I wasn't quite sure what was going on with Jody. Um, But then eventually, and I don't know if you saw the most recent coverage, but Ruby has now pled to four of the six counts of um, aggravated child abuse. And is the abuse, I know, so the 12-year-old son is the one that ran to the neighbors. And then when police got there, they also found the 10-year-old daughter. Pretty much she was also emaciated. Same, yeah, same, same condition. condition. So was the abuse basically those two children or was it all six children or how many children were involved and how many was she charged with abusing? So it sounds like the abuse was just happening to the two youngest children, which it had been going on for a while. And those were the two youngest children I had mentioned to you about the Christmas, the not having Christmas gifts okay. and all of that. But it sounded like they were not getting adequate water. They were they were barely eating. They were being starved. They were being um, duct taped and tied to areas in the basement. Um, they were being forced to do labor all day long. And they had lacerations and sunburns all over their skin because it just wasn't being treated and they were outside all day. Um, And at one point, I believe she did, she did, um, Ruby did um, plead guilty to forcing her son into like basically trying to drown him, um, holding his head underwater, cutting off his oxygen by placing her hands over his nose and mouth. Um, And she did have them, their feet and their arms regularly bound with rope. Um, and I think at one point during the summer before the story broke in July, her son tried to run away and that's when she started tying him up so that he couldn't leave the house. And this whole time that this is happening, is she still making, I mean, I guess the, the YouTube had been shut down, but she's still talking on the podcast as if like, she's this family blogger, like about her family in this very positive way. She's at this point on Jody's connections page yeah. and they are giving parenting advice. So it was less about the Frankie kids okay. and more so about how they feel about parenting and how, and how they discipline. Right. But clearly hiding their actual ways of discipline, because if they had revealed what they were really doing, they would have been arrested right. long before. Exactly. So yeah, I don't think people realized how serious these rumors were yeah. and how, um, you know, these little like whispers behind the scene were actually coming from truth. And don't you think, I mean, do you believe, because I do, that TikTok has played like a large part in sort of exposing a lot of these family vloggers? Because we've seen several family like vloggers sort of come down, at least in the last year. And I know, I think I just saw another content creator who sort of did her predictions for 2024. And she said Mm -hmm. like, she sees even more, like she says family vloggers kind of like going down in 2024. What do you think it is about, like, when people take information from YouTube and bring it over to TikTok and show the TikTok audience, 
TikTok is able to pick it a, pick it apart in a way that for some reason that I feel like the YouTube audience isn't. Because I remember I watched this one mom. Well, I didn't watch it. It was someone who was critiquing this mom who was doing a, uh, she was building this little closet thing with her child. And the comments was like, look how she's doing this. The way she's talking to her daughter is not okay. And I'm sure mm-hmm. on YouTube, people are like looking at this mom put together this closet. And on TikTok, they're like, no, let's keep an eye on this because this mom doesn't look right. What do you think it is about the TikTok community that is able to sort of like get in and expose these people? Yes, there is something about TikTok investigators. Like everybody becomes a private investigator when you're scrolling enough. And I think maybe it's because of this short form video that you're kind of forced to look at so much in so little time that maybe we're just seeing things a little quicker. And whereas on YouTube, it is these like longer formed videos. And if you're a YouTube subscriber, I feel like it's a little bit more intimate versus TikTok. So if you're already following this person on YouTube, you usually have some sort of like deeper loyalty to them. So you're maybe you're not as, you know, you're not questioning them as much. Whereas on TikTok, things kind of just appear on my algorithm that I'm like, what is this doing here? And then suddenly I'm sucked in. I don't know who the person is. I don't know their, their history. And you're following them, but no loyalty. You just start following right. them. Right. I'm just, I'm just judging now. Yeah. So with TikTok, it's like, you don't even have to be following them for their video to show up. Whereas on YouTube, you go to their page and you're like looking at a 10 minute video. Yeah. So I will say, I give it up to everybody on TikTok because we really all kind of you know, we put on our glasses and we really kind of like hone in on things and try and find any dirt, which is a good and bad thing. I it guess. is. It's totally good and bad because I think that a lot, a, a lot of good has come out of TikTok. But then I think also people know that they can get a lot of clout and, you know, views and stuff by talking about yes. certain things. And so sometimes you have people diving into stuff that like don't even want to do the research and you're like, Right. So reel it reel it in. This is crazy. Yeah, it's so easy to misconstrue things that you're seeing, but it's also so easy to expose the truth. Yeah. Because in, in 15 seconds, I can make a video and share it with the world, and suddenly it's Bible. Exactly. So it is. Um, yeah. You know, another, I know that like this isn't like a mommy vlogger case, but like I think about that case about, you know, the woman, the Idaho, you know, college murders, and that one girl mm-hmm. just was convinced it was this like professor. And now she's involved in a defamation case because she just kept making TikToks about how she was convinced it was a woman with no proof. And it was like everybody was like, shut it down. But yeah, it can get. You know, but I think there's more good that comes out of it than not. And so, like, you know, anytime there's threats for like, oh, this needs to be banned, I'm like, you're crazy. Because it's like, to me, so much truth comes out. Um, yeah, I think people are so afraid of it. But it's really, it, it's a short form place to, to receive content. Yeah. So. so, you know, after the arrest, uh, Ruby Frank's sisters actually uh, released a statement. They said, for the last three years, we have kept quiet on the subject of our sister Ruby for the sake of her children. Behind this public scene, we have done everything we could to try and make sure the kids were safe. We wouldn't feel right about moving forward with regular content without addressing the most recent events. Once we do, we will not be commenting on it further. Ruby was arrested, which needed to happen. Jody was arrested, which needed to happen. The kids are now safe which is the number one priority. And then Ruby's eldest daughter, Sherry, also spoke out because I believe, you know, when the arrest happened, she goes on her Instagram page and writes, you know, a photo. there's a photo of police outside the Hildebrand home with the caption, finally. So even the older 
sister, I guess, knew what was going on and who, you know, was she trying to get help and nobody was listening or, you know, what, why do you think that she kind of went ignored? So I think Sherry was trying to check on the, on her siblings. I don't think she had any contact with Ruby is from what I, you know, from my research. Um, I do think she was doing her best to, to check on her siblings. I don't know how involved she was at that point. But I will say, I'm going to call out Ruby's siblings, the other vloggers. Okay. I'm calling it BS. Oh, wow. I just don't, I don't buy it for a second that they were doing everything they could to protect those children. I'm not saying it was their full responsibility because they have children of their own. And if you watch some of their videos and compare them to some of Ruby's videos, they're not that different. You know, I always have, I haven't been to Utah and I would love, it looks like a beautiful like state, you know, visually, but you know, it is also considered like the number one scam state in the country. Like more L- MLMs come out of that state than, you know, per capita or whatever than anything. And it's, it's why I don't think it's any shock that like, you know, we had a housewife go to jail over like a scam from Salt Lake City, right? You know, I think Utah has a lot of like underbelly, dark side um, and I feel like the family vloggers is almost just like another, yeah, it's like another, I don't want to say it's a get rich quick scheme, but I do think that people, again, I feel like they, they looked at the, the Duggars as sort of this model of like, wow, this is what could be. And they've just sort of tried to run with that and make these homegrown channels and do the same thing. Yeah. And it also, if you like look at the history of the vlogging, like it, it's the OG state of vloggers. Like it, even before vlogging was a thing, a lot, if you like look at some of these YouTube and Instagram famous Utah moms, yeah. they all had blogs before there was an Instagram. Wow. So like they really do have a group of people who really kind of started this whole thing, this whole vlogging thing. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but you're right. There is a lot of sketchiness that has been coming out of that state, <laughs> these vloggers, and I don't know what it is. So um, on September 1st, about a week after they were arrested, uh, Frank and Hildebrandt were both charged with six counts of felony child abuse. Um, On December 13th, Frankie's lawyers released a statement saying that Frank took a plea deal pleading guilty to four counts of child abuse in exchange for the two others being dropped. And her lawyers are basically trying to place all the blame on Hildebrandt. I don't think we have any word on whether Hildebrandt is going to take a deal. You know, normally the first police, I mean, my experience is the first person who takes a plea deal, the other person is the one that's probably going to be, you know, getting screwed. Um, Do we know any more about, you know, is Hildebrand going to try to take this to trial? Uh, There hasn't been an update on where Jody Hildebrand stands. Um, I think we all saw it coming that Ruby would turn on Jody and try and get a plea deal, which she now has. And, uh, you know, I believe she did agree to um, to prison time as well. So other than agreeing to the four uh, counts of aggravated child abuse, there is going to be prison time, it looks like. But yeah, I don't know where her where Jody stands. And I'm sure there's going to be a court proceeding relatively soon to kind of address all of this. But I do wonder how Ruby's actions have now turned things on Jody. And they said that each felony count is one to 15 years in prison. She'll be, Ruby will be sentenced February 20th, 2024. It's so, it's always so wild to me how your sentencing can be. Like, once you plead guilty, shouldn't you just go to jail? 
Like, yeah, and I read some, so she was going to land between somewhere between four and four and sixty years, which is such a vast right. Four years is a lot different than yeah. sixty. Like one is the rest of your life, and one right. is like, okay, I might be home in time for Christmas before twenty thirty. You know, that's like yeah, and it looks like her hearing is set to take place in February, so like a follow up, yeah. with Ruby, not with Jody. I haven't heard yet where Jody is. According to the Washington Post, this has reignited debate around the ethical and financial complexities of YouTube family vloggers. Um, you know, where, what are your thoughts? Because a lot of people question, like, what should parents be allowed to do with their kids? Like, what rights do, you know, kids have? Whenever I see a kid that, like, already has an Instagram page that's, like, already verified, but, like, they can't even speak, you know, like... It, it seems a little weird to me. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it always feels a little icky when you recognize the kid just as much as you recognize the parent. I, You know, I, I can't help but admit that I get sucked into some of these, like, day-in-the-life mom routines on TikTok. And I, I will say that I can see where some mothers strike a balance where their kids are kind of in the background. You hear them making breakfast for their child, but, like, you don't necessarily see their child that often within the video. But I do think that there's something to be said about at what point do you protect their identity if you do, if you decide to, because, you know, it is a little strange. Like if you're out in public and suddenly people know your kids by their first name. Yeah. Because of the content you're putting out there. Yeah. That's got to feel kind of strange. Yeah. Right? I think it's like, it's such a fine line between, like you said, like this, like harmless voyeurism, like to seeing what's going on versus like exploiting your kids for profit. Um, you know, cause look, I love, I love watching Kim Kardashian's birthday parties and like holidays for her kids. Because look, as a kid that has to be so magical when you see like, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars in decorations that they have for these events. And I just, I'm just like, whoa, this is, this is, would be wild as like a six-year-old kid running through this like fantasy land. So I get it, you know, and I'm sure like on a smaller scale and family vloggers, you know, maybe more attainable ways. It's also a, a form of voyeurism. So it's fun to watch. Now, um, according to the Washington Post, Illinois actually made history last month. It became the first state to pass a law to protect the earnings of children of influencers. It requires parents to put a percentage of gross earnings the law is the first of its kind to provide legal protection for children who are featured in monetized online content, such as YouTube videos or sponsored Instagram posts. Um, and according to the Washington Post, before the legislation and still in the 49 states that don't have anything like it, children were not entitled to any of the money they helped earn. But I thought that wow. like, didn't Jackie, is it Jackie Coogan's law? I thought that that resolved it. But I guess like the online world is so different than acting world, right? It's like, it's a union for children actors and they didn't have any protections on online. And this is why it's right. technology, keeping up with the law with technology is so hard that the fact that the children aren't making any money, because this is what happens if you, did you watch the Shiny Happy People documentary? I, watched, I did watch, yeah, I did watch that. You know, the father basically just kept signing the contracts and like, they were like, we never saw any of this money. Yeah, and, and they were also doing a lot of the like raising of their siblings. Like, that they too. were they were raising their siblings, so it's just like crazy that they probably didn't receive a dime, and their parents kind of just controlled the whole situation. Yeah, there's something to be said about the layers that social media is adding to this. Yeah, because it's true, you do have to protect the children, but 
is anyone truly going to know if these kids are actually getting paid? And how do we decide how these vloggers are being monetized? Like, so if they're making money off of it, we don't know how much money they're making. Yeah. You know, their management team might. But aside from that, there's not really a huge way for the rest of the world to, to, to know. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a layered situation. It's a wild, wild west. It really is. Well, what would be your predictions for the future of family vloggers going forward? I think there's no stopping it. I don't think it's going to come to an end. I think a lot of people look at the Ruby Frankie story and kind of throw it into that Utah clump that we were talking yeah. about. Whereas I th- I don't think that there it's going to get as bad of a rep that we might think just kind of looking at this isolated story. I think there's a, a whole big future, especially on TikTok and on Instagram for these moms because they are if you're if you were to look at brand deals and where they're all going, they're going to these momfluencers. Uh-huh. So I don't think it's I, I think it's gonna keep growing. And I think that like uh yeah, I think families are gonna grow. We had this joke the other day that like um if Taylor Swift were to get pregnant anytime we're gonna oh. have another baby boom because everyone's gonna be like, Taylor's pregnant, I'm yeah. pregnant. <laughs> it's a, it's gonna be a trend all of a sudden. We all need to have babies around the same time that her and Travis are having babies. Well, you know what? At least it gives us content. We're gonna create more series and more uh, episodes right. of pop crime. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Shannon, thank you so much for joining Pop Crime. Where can people check out your work? Where can they find you on social media? Yes, I am Shannon Hill News on Instagram and on TikTok. And you can find me on either one of those platforms. I'll be there doing deep dives on all your favorite celebrities. Awesome. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you for having me. Pop Crime is produced by Sean Kilby, Shannon Sassone, and me, Kiki Monique. Editing by Shannon Sassone, guest booking by Ali Freelander and be sure to follow me at the talk of shame on TikTok and Instagram and send your emails to podcast at betches.com. Betches.